Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or visit amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free and catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. You are listening to Red Carpet Rendezvous with your host, Lauren Conlon. Hey guys, and welcome to Red Carpet Rendezvous. I'm your host, Lauren Conlon. Okay, so last week I did another virtual red carpet, which are so much fun for me. I'm really enjoying them, um, but especially when Mira Sorvino is a part of the red carpet. So, oh my gosh, I just love her so much. Um, obviously, she's forever Romy from Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion. But um, my favorite movie, or one of my favorite movies, is Summer of Sam. That was with John Leguizamo, and that was made in 1999. And um, obviously, most of you guys know I love true crime, so that was right up my alley. And I love Mira in that. She's incredible. And she also won an Academy Award and a Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actress in the 1996 film Mighty Aphrodite. So anyway, Mira is in this film that we had the virtual red carpet for called Water Lily Jaguar, which is now available on demand. And it's actually written by um, and directed by Mira's best friend, Melora Walters. Now, most of you probably know Melora as an actress for Magnolia and Boogie Nights. Um, She was on Big Love on HBO. But Water Lily Jaguar is her first directorial debut for a feature. Um, And Honestly, if you don't know Melora by her name, did I just say Meloria? Uh, sorry, I meant to say Melora if I did. I'm going crazy. Um, but if you look her up, you'll definitely, you'll recognize her because she's in a lot of stuff. So anyway, um, this film is about Bob, played by James LaGrosse, who is a famous novelist married to Helen, played by Sorvino. And Bob's known for writing, quote unquote, airport romances. And he's just striving to become more of a serious writer. But then he finds himself stumbling down a spiral of obsession that might seriously destroy his marriage. So um, it also stars Mira Sorvino's husband, Christopher Backus, who I actually most recently watched um, as Tex in Mindhunter on Netflix. I don't know if you guys saw that, but he was really good. It also stars Dominic Monaghan of Lord of the Rings and actress Stacey Oristano and Steven Swadling. So um, we had some interesting conversations on this virtual red carpet. I cut some of the things that would sort of give the movie away because that wouldn't be nice to you guys if you're going to watch it. But yeah, overall, it was great. Um, I also really loved when we talked about the red carpets and the whole situation with the red carpets and if they're ever coming back. And I mean, would actors and directors even feel comfortable on them or, or talking to, to outlets like me or or like whoever else? But yeah, it was really cool when, you know, Mira and her husband, Christopher, were weighing in and everybody was just kind of talking about it because it's a good conversation to have. Um, you know, we all miss the red carpets and junkets and we want to know when they're coming back and and what they're going to look like. Um, 
But yeah, I know it might be hard to pinpoint exactly who's talking from time to time, but everyone should be familiar with Mira's voice and um, Laura does a lot of the talking as well. And sometimes the PR rep even calls on people by name, which is super helpful. So um, yeah, enjoy the conversation and let me know what you guys think after. You can always email me, Lauren at magicshack.com or DM me, Lauren underscore interviews. Here, but was there ever a time when you were directing that you kind of just said, oh, I wish I could be on screen right now. I wish I could just never, jump in. Never, never. Okay. I... You separate it. Yeah. I love, I didn't realize, I didn't realize how amazing actors are. Like to, um, for me, I kept, I remember, you can ask Mark Sayer, when we were, when we were in pre-production, I was like, you can put the, you can put the camera on Mira Sorvino and have her just like read a book to herself for half an hour. I swear to God, you'll be fascinated. I swear, I swear. Put the camera on Stacy. Put the camera on Chris. Just watch them. I mean, uh, I think the casting is very important. So that uh, I had these actors who are like the most beautiful, well-trained racehorses, mm-hmm. and you just want to watch them run, and you're you just go, oh my god. <laughs> so that's what it was like. Uh, me, I would never cut. That's the problem. I, I would, I could easily never cut. Or there's another beautiful moment where everything's getting set, and we all know, you know, the sound set and the camera set, and any minute action's going to be set. And there's this energy and this thing that happens. Like I see it in these actors, and it's. It's just, it's magic. It's so beautiful. I think everyone did a beautiful job. And it actually occurred to me um, as I was watching that this might actually be great for the stage as well. Um, I don't know if that, if anyone else thought of that or if I'm just, I don't know. My brain goes weird places. <laughs> but, but yeah, I thought, I thought it was beautiful and I thought everyone did a beautiful job. And Mira Sorvino, I've been obsessed with you since Summer of Sam. I like... Yeah, you, I mean, you, there's, you don't do anything wrong in my eyes. Oh, that's so no. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm done. Steven Henry, you're talking, but I think you're muted, bud. Well, as David Byrne says, you are talking a lot, but you are not saying anything. Um, <laughs> I had asked Mira and Chris, you know, about the linearity of the construction of this movie in their performance, which is, do you ever find yourself having shot the film, done the work, and then watched the movie and thought that what ended up on screen was in some ways different from what it is that you performed? Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, No, I mean, that definitely makes sense. I mean, with this particular project, I think, I mean, I'm just, I've got the one scene with Mira and working with Melora. I mean, I think we shot it as a one So everything that we, uh, we shot and talked about and discussed and was written all appeared on camera. Uh, am I right on that, Melora? That it, we you're did it as a- one scene, but, but you're talking about the one- Yeah, the big one scene where it sort of revolves around um, uh, 
I, you're always shocked to see how it goes. I mean, even like I think it moves, ends in a closet, and somehow we got the one all the way through the big art studio and stopped in a closet. I think we're frozen. Oh, we're good. And then it was out of the closet. Um, and, uh, you know, Melora just creates such a safe environment to work in and to take chances and to, uh, you know, really give you a, a sturdy base. So in this particular instance, everything that, uh, there was no change for me. And the way that we discussed it, the way that it was written is exactly what's on screen. Mira, was that the same for you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there were a few scenes in the film that when we shot them, they were longer and they are, you know, edited down. And as Melora said, she's very generous and just lets, lets you see sort of where it's going to go. But for the most part, it played the way that I thought it would play. It, it, did, it did play the way I remembered the scenes being. Um, there may be a few reactions that I remember having that are no longer there. But that's in every that's in every edit. Right. Okay. Hey Nina, are you out there? <laughs> Nina, can you hear me? Guess not. Um <laughs> Nicoletta. Yes, right, I have call a on you again. Yes, I have a lot of questions, so thank you. <laughs> sure. Um so uh, my first question is for Mary and Chris. I just want I just want to know how is it being quarantined together? How mm -hmm. has that been like? <laughs> Um, every moment with Mira is amazing. So um, it, 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 it's pretty it's pretty good. I mean, it's definitely a challenge with school. Because we have four um, kids. So. You know, so we've, yeah, it's four kids. So kind of navigating that. But, uh, you know, it's fun. We, we try to get outside and do fun activities. And, you know, we write together. And um, Yeah, we're writing two projects together. So uh, that's but the funny thing is people think time on your hands when you're in quarantine but if you have children you have like no time on your hands you're actually stealing time to to do something and every day we try and work on this script that we're basically just doing a, a you know a polish on we're just going through it from start to finish just kind of enhancing each scene a little bit just making it sparkle a little bit more a little more specific and damned if we can't like it's like we're really lucky if we get like an hour, an hour and a half a day to focus on it before there's some emergency. It's one of the animals, one of the children, their internet isn't working, you know. So um, it's interesting. People think that this is just like lazying around time and, and not if you have a family. <laughs> I completely get you. I have a daughter who's being homeschooled and at first I hated it. I even told her teachers I hate it because I can't do it. <laughs> it was so hard to balance. So how have you guys found that that balancing act. I mean, it's really hard to find. And like for any parent that's out there, they know what we're talking about. <laughs> the balancing between, um, you know, doing the scripts and yeah. then also homeschooling them. And you have four. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think that ultimately we've really decided to embrace the moment. I know it's hard and to be locked down, but I think we'll all look back, especially as parents and kids, and go, it was pretty amazing that we had these three months with our kids at home, and um, they got to be with us, and we got to do a lot of special things with them, even if sometimes in the moment we wish we could go run and do something. Um, I think ultimately um, we'll enjoy those moments. Obviously, the circumstances of you know the near 100,000 people that have died will definitely uh, you know, our thoughts are always with them and their families, but, 
you know, considering we're pretty fortunate that we're all healthy and, and we get to spend time with, with each other. Well, I'm sure you're doing a great job um, and your kids are appreciating it. And now back to the film. <laughs> I know that was a little off topic, but just interesting for the viewers and for myself. Um, back to the film. Do you think that if the film was directed by a male director would have had a different vibe? Because, you know, I've covered a lot of uh, films written by women. They always have that certain vibe. And sometimes if a male director di directed that particular film, then it would totally change the vibe and the energy of the whole project. Do you believe that that would have been the case here? I, I, are you asking me? I'm asking everyone. <laughs> I think that um, if you changed uh, any element of the film, of any film, it changes. Um, male or female. If you had cast differently, if we had a different location, if uh, this or if that. This was a very tight film. So it, it really relied on everyone being completely present. So I think like, like with a mathematical equation, uh, if you change a number, the, f the formula changes. I think, well, I, I think it's so specifically your film, Laura. Yeah. Like it, it's so personal to you. Like I don't think anyone could have directed it the same way, male or female, because it was really, I mean, you really tear pages out of your own life story <laughs> and you thinly disguise them and you slap them up on screen and they're so real that way. That's why there's such an authenticity and freshness to your work because it's not like some realm of fantasy. You're really describing emotional lives that are not far from the inner workings of your heart and your life. So I, I don't see, I think it'd be very weird if someone else directed your script. Yeah, I don't think I want to be your voice. Sorry? Wait. I didn't say anything. I didn't hear it. It, it. She just got modulated at the end. I mean, I think there's a difference in between movies where somebody gets an assignment from a producer or a studio and does a gig as a work for hire, and then somebody who has an idea and says, I can't do anything but make this movie. And in that way, it's individualized. I, I am interested, actually, I mean, if this is a bad question, then, but I'm curious about working with male versus female directors, and if there is a if not generalities, but if there are stylistic commonalities that that have to do with one's gender. It's sort of like the, there's an expression going, or there's a, a belief that, that during the current coronavirus thing that countries that are led by women are doing a much better job of addressing this. So I wonder if that applies to movie directors too. <laughs> um, well, I guess you could ask everybody that question. I am, I, I, I mean to. Go ahead. Stacy. take your hand off your chin and tell me what you think of that. Let me make you go first. It's still, I've worked with um, a, a lot of male and female directors, especially doing like TV shows because you have a new director each week. Um, I've had really good and really not so great with both, but it still is, God, I hope I don't get in trouble for this. It still is such a, a, a man's world and a man's game. Just, um, Hollywood in general right now and I think women are still having to 
uh, find a voice and and um, prove themselves a little bit more than anybody else, unfortunately. So that's not necessarily any different, but um, maybe harder <laughs> for women just to be in charge through no fault of their own. Steven. Hello. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm kind of blind to a lot of it. I, uh, I, I tend to be brought up in, in my, my life to respect my elders and to respect people that are in charge. And it doesn't matter to me whether you're a woman or, or a guy. I mean, to be honest with you, I was petrified of Melora as a director, <laughs> as an actor. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I was surrounded by such amazing talent in the cast. And, and I was a little intimidated. Uh, and I, I actually do remember one moment when Malor came up to me. And I, I'd been questioned throughout the entire process before we did the scene. You know, we were talking about people's histories and things. And, and I was getting ready to do the scene. And Malor comes up to me and she whispers in my ear, don't act. And she walked away. And, 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 and I sat there plaguing through my mind, what does she mean? <laughs> what does she mean don't act? And, and I panicked. But all of a sudden, go, and I just did what I needed to do. And, and from that point, I mean, I respect Melora with, with my whole heart. You know, I mean, she is an artist, and, and her vision translates from her physical art to anything that she does, whether it's film or, you know, acting or directing. You know, so for me, I, I don't pay attention to that. I, I focus on who is directing me at the time and, and, and give them what they ask. Right. I try. Hey, hey, Judy. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, all right. Have you been following this? A little bit because, oh my God, I was, uh, I just logged on. So I've been working. I'm in New York. So, uh, you know, it opened up. So it's starting to be crazy again. So go on out, jump in as um, you guys continue. All right. I'll go back to Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> I was just curious, um, did you guys plan a theatrical release for this or is it always going straight to video on demand? It was something we considered, um, you know, with the present landscape, of course, you know, it becomes a non-starter. Um, right. I guess that's what I was kind of getting at. Like, is this almost not that COVID it is positive at all clearly but for a lot of films i i think it's positive um for especially the films coming straight to video on demand do you agree i think we that? we chat a little bit about this on the on the the last one that we just did and i i mean i think it's indisputable that you know um it's a huge silver lining for independent filmmakers um simply by virtue of the fact that it sort of levels the playing field you know, whereas we not might not have the cash flow to be putting, you know, smaller budget films into 200 theaters. Now, all of a sudden, you know, the, the, the core mechanic for consuming media is the same and it's on our screens in our homes. Mm -hmm. um, and so it lets us get to play in a space that bigger films do and and really compete with them. And I think you know, on top of that is that, you know, with, with the scenario and, and no new productions that have been producing any new properties, any of us that were lucky enough to have, you know, a film or two in the can, all of a sudden the conversation started changing, even with distributors that two, three months ago, you know, weren't interested. I mean, I know for a couple of 
couple of our films and a couple that we still haven't released, I'm getting phone calls from distributors that had passed two months ago. Oh, um, wow. That's great and, for you then. That's yeah, awesome. no, I mean, and that's what I'm saying. It's, it's, it's great for us. And then, you yeah. know, with, with, with TVOD um, consumption up so significantly, that really benefits in indie films because that's our primary method of distro. Right, right. So it's it's been, I guess, such a whirlwind because I cannot keep up with all the movies to watch right now. Right. So yeah, it'll I guess. be interesting to see in four to five, six months where we're yeah. at, um, yeah. you know, given what's happening in the status quo, and you know, um, because you're going to run out of productions soon. Um, right. And we'll see what happens then. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, with just curious because I mean, I, I know that they're, they're allowing films this year that go directly to video on demand to be eligible for an Oscar. I think they had sure. to have a planned theatrical release or something like that. But I was like, oh, this is great. This opens it up to, to a lot of different films. Um, but I know you guys filmed this, you know, a few years ago, but I always like to know, um, how was the, the camaraderie with the cast? Did you guys do anything fun when you weren't filming or was it kind of like everyone just kept to themselves or I think, anything? I mean, I think, I think on this one is, I don't know if you can hear me, but I think it's, this one's unique. I mean, uh, obviously Mira and I are married. Um, Melora <laughs> has been our best friend, um, you know, Mira's best friend since 2000, you know, since uh, Wise Girls and since 2004, she has been a significant part of our lives together and she was in our wedding. And so I think uh, a lot of family affair to this, um, you know, we kind of knew everybody going in. Um, so I don't know, like I remember the rap party was a lot of fun. We all knew each other already. So um, I think it's unique in that way that Melora, you know, and I think Melora can comment on that too, but she knew everyone and played I wrote this for you. Um, yeah, so if that makes sense. I love that. <laughs> Did you I guys had have drinks after or what? Yeah. Um, I had a trailer on this set, like where you go in between scenes or to change it. And I, I swear to God, I, I never saw my trailer. I never went into it. Sometimes I didn't even know where it was because I would stay on set like even if it wasn't my scene, because we were sh also shooting in like this gorgeous house and gorgeous locations. I just wanted to be around everybody the whole time, which is not normal. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh, Judy, I think you're muted. I don't follow my own instructions. Okay, I'm talking to myself. Okay. There you go. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I am. I, um, so I do have a question. So now um, I'm sure that all of you the actors specifically, have had the experience of junkets, red carpets, and now Zoom. So which one do you prefer <laughs> as far as being interviewed for your film or television show? Well, this takes the stress out of it a little bit. I mean, the stress <laughs> is there in that I am not good with my own hair. I'm better with makeup, but I'm terrible with hair. So there's always this stress of like having to have your hair being visible on, <laughs> on Zoom. But you are sitting in your own room, your, your bottom half, you really don't know what I'm wearing. I'm actually wearing like a bathing suit, like uh, board shorts on the bottom. Oh my God, show us. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I put on now we all know. 
but you know, there's something very relaxed about this. Uh, I don't know, but there's also something fun about having the, the sort of sending off party of a real premiere where you have who made who haven't seen each other sometimes in, in almost a year or so and then they all get together for this big fun party and then you, you send the baby off into the world with this you know public screening but um yeah they both have their advantages <laughs> yeah i think i think the biggest thing you know that is missing from this is obviously we see everybody but there is no human connection it is and we're reliant on our internet staying up long enough before children using it as well that we don't keep dropping <laughs> out the human contact part of it is definitely, you know, as Nira said, to see everybody and celebrate together. While we are all celebrating together, it is, it's slightly distancing. James, you're late to the party, but the question was, what is it like having a real premiere versus a virtual one? And what are the benefits and the SWOT analysis of both? Uh, well, uh, the first loss in all of this is that uh, you can't pull your colleagues aside and say catty things about your other colleagues. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, and I solved the hair problem by wearing a hat. So, um, yeah, sorry about being late. I uh, Somehow I got uh, head faked on the date. It's okay. My... I, uh, but uh, you know, I, I, you know, you work with what you've got, and uh, I, I guess what I like about it, because I've done a few film festivals this way, is that the uh, the scope of the audience can sometimes be even much larger, um, which is really gratifying. You know, there were like people at this film festival from other countries, which was fascinating. So that's a one as aspect of it that was positive for me. Okay. Are you guys going to even feel, and, and just, you know, directors, are you going to feel comfortable going on a, a red carpet anytime soon? Um, I, I'm thinking about this just because my whole premise, my podcast is called Red Carpet Rendezvous. I literally rip audio from red carpets I cover. So mm -hmm. I'm like, I, I feel like I'm out of business. I don't know. No one's going to want to go to them. Or they're going to be like, yeah, here, interview me from six feet away. I, I don't know. Boom, microphones. Yeah, right. <laughs> But seriously, I don't, I don't, you guys don't feel comfortable with that. When are you going to feel comfortable next December? Uh, it's such a weird thing about when we're even going to be able to go back to a set too. Like none of it makes any sense. I'm in Brooklyn, so I don't actually know what it feels like, like being in the epicenter. I don't understand what it feels like anywhere else. So I'm terrified. Yeah. Yeah. I, I live um, on 79th street in Manhattan and I, I left immediately because I have two little kids that will be like licking park benches. I was like, we have to go, but I miss the city so much. I miss being there. So I'm like, I'm jealous to hear you say right now you're in Brooklyn, even though you're not doing anything, <laughs> but yeah, it still makes me jealous. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to hear somebody say they look forward to a time of greater human contact. Oh, I, I can't wait. If they tell me to go back to work tomorrow, I'll go. I swear to God, I, you know, and I know that's probably a reckless statement, but I love my job, you know, I, I just love doing it so much that uh, it's just incredibly painful to not be at work. We're starting a movie on the 15th of June. Pardon? I said, we're starting another movie on the 15th of June. 
All right. Well, James will be there in Iceland. I heard. <laughs> I mean, I think there's just so many unknowns. This whole entire thing is so surreal, and, and no one really has an answer. But I mean, we do what we do, and we love what we love to do, and we just want to get back to it. But obviously, we want we want to listen to what everyone else has to say, and make sure we're not making the wrong decision. Yeah, I mean, the show I'm working on now, they're going to change their location of the show. I mean, they're halfway through the show and they're not going to go back to Mexico. They're going to try and figure out how to shoot it in South Carolina and Puerto Rico. Um, and they're not because they would think that that was safer there. Well, I think they trust the numbers coming out of South Carolina and Puerto Rico more than they trust the numbers coming out of Mexico. I mean, just in terms of the data that they're getting, but I, I'm not an expert in any of that, so I can't speak competently to that. But right. I think that, and then there's the aspect of international travel. So there's, that offers a number of complexities. So, you know, I, I don't know. There's not gonna be a 100% safe answer to any of it. That's for sure. Right. Um, I do have a question. So when do, you, when you do go back, how are you going to be, like if you do have to be on the carpet? That was a good question for you, Lauren. I mean, how will you, like if an uh, interviewer comes up to you, how comfortable are you going to be with them asking the question about whatever you project you've been working on? I know you were saying have the big mics, but how I, I think, I think are the protocols in place and we'll, you know, people will follow those protocols. Okay. And again, I don't think there's a true answer to what that's going to be yet, but those protocols will be set and, and people will have to follow those. And if they don't, then they don't go on the red carpet. It's, it's their choice, I think, at this point. Or we all wear masks. Yeah. Or they don't allow um, smaller to medium-sized outlets. It's just e-access Hollywood. Oh, yeah. but, you know, and that's what I was thinking also, like AP, and then they just distribute everything. I, I don't know. But, I but probably is masks. What's that? It's gonna definitely be like couture masks. Like, uh -huh. <laughs> who are you wearing? Yeah. Oh no, I, I definitely ordered one. I'm not gonna lie to you guys. <laughs> I found this woman who like, sorry, she just, she sews like masks from old fabric, like Gucci fabrics. And I was like, oh, yep, that's happening. <laughs> Why not, right? <laughs> I, I, saw, I saw a photo that looked like, it might have to have been Photoshop, but it was a red carpet with a bunch of like phone booth cubicles, plastic see-through where people would walk up into that step and be talking through, almost like through a, through a prison glass window or something. Oh, wow. That's so interesting. If that's the case, then only, you know, focus features and, and Paramount are going to have red carpets because who's going to be able to afford that at this point? <laughs> yes. I, I, ha I have a question for the cast. Um, just wanted to jump in here because, you know, um, being that this film is out now and everyone's excited to see it, I, I just wanted to know, you know, as an actor and then personally, what are you going to take away um, from this film, from the script, from the experience, and did it help you grow in, in, in some way? Uh, well, I, I think anytime that you get to work with people that are better than you, you know, your game improves. So I, I certainly had that part of my journey. Uh, anytime I can work with actors that I've, you know, long admired, you know, the rub off effect is really, it's pretty nice. So, and then I think also too, there were some friendships that came out of the experience that uh, for me were profound. And I, those, those were the two takeaways for me. Stacy, um, Melora gave me this character that is so unlike what I get 
to do. She was refined and and smart and wore beautiful clothes and a little bit classy. And I'm like the quirky, funny girl next door waitress always. And so it was so nice to have that opportunity to do something like that. But I think also just taking away, this happened completely randomly and, I, and it, it is also kind of awesome. But in the past week, I have binge watched Hollywood. So I got to see Mira. I watched, I rewatched my favorite indie called um, Short Term 12 that Melora is in. And then I binge watched House and James is in the finale episode. And like I saw all of my friends just within the past week and it felt a little like fortuitous. It was wonderful. That's cool. What about from Mira and Chris? I feel like I learn something on every single job I do. As an actor, you never stop learning. Your craft is a, is a moving target and you build on what you already know you can do and then you dare yourself to go further. And I think that Melora's techniques and, and sometimes, you know, the flying without a net of indie filmmaking where you cannot spend days on a single scene. She edits in her mind before we get to the set. So she doesn't shoot more than she needs. She's not randomly shooting Oh, oh, a master, a wide, a medium, a medium close-up, a extreme close-up. She only does the camera angles that she is planning to put into the cut. So let's go. You know, it's not like save it for later, save it for the close-up. Like you adapt to the plan and your character has to be vulnerable and alive and surprised by things as you go. And uh, I think that, I think it, it taught me things in, in, in several of the scenes, you know, cause the scenes kind of take these weird turns. They start off one way and they end up going another. Um, and emotionally it's, it's quite a workout. Um, but I think there's a lot of beauty in it. There's a lot of beauty in the Okay, guys, thanks for listening to the Waterlily Jaguar virtual red carpet. Um, you guys know I love to support indie films. So if you want to watch it, you can rent it or buy it on any video on demand platform today. The cast is great. Melora is great. Um, so yeah, I'm glad I could bring this to everyone's attention. So don't forget to rate and subscribe to this podcast on Apple. Um, until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Red Carpet Rendezvous. Until next time. Until next time.